0: Welcome to King of Kings Community, Jerusalem. Pastor Chad here. So happy to be with you guys this evening. Uh, Everybody in the house, so happy to be with you and with family and for everybody watching online tonight. Thank you for joining us from all around the world on all of the different platforms, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, and the YouTube channel, other platforms. So happy to have you. Today, we have a great word of the Lord we want to bring to you. I am um, I'm, I'm coming to you today from First Melissa Church in Melissa, Texas. Some of our dearest friends, Pastor Trey and Bretta, who have allowed me, while I'm on the road, to stop here, work with their team, and to send this message and this encouraging word to you guys today. So thank you to them. They partner with us in lots of different ways. And I did want to honor them as we got started today. I also want to say a special thank you to a wonderful worship set from the worship team today. Thank you, Melissa and the King of Kings worship team for leading us today. And Pastor Mike, thank you for leading us in the Seudad Hadon, the Lord's Supper. I hope that was meaningful for everyone else as well. You might be saying to yourself, well, Pastor Chad, you're recording this message, so how can you can say thank you for a worship set that hasn't happened yet in your time? Well, let me explain to you how technology works. Even though I'm in the past recording the sermon that you are listening to in the present, I'm also in the present right now, having just connected online with our team on Sunday night with you live for worship and the Lord's Supper. So yes, I can say thank you to the team for what they've just done because I participated in it with all of you guys as well. Let me give you a quick update about what I've been doing. Um, as is our custom and as is necessary for the King of Kings network to continue to thrive around the world. I travel from time to time, whether it be Europe or whether it be Canada, the United States, other parts of Asia as we're going next year. But right now, I've been on a long ministry trip in the United States. I stopped here uh, in order to spend a few days with the family To record this sermon, and to get on to the next meetings with our partners. I've been in 28 cities in the last 40 days, and so that is the plan the Lord has given us for now. And then when that time is over, I will be taking a few months sabbatical rest, which we try to uh, encourage all of our pastors to do every seven years. And so that's what I'm doing. Thank you guys for your patience and for your support during this time, since we're all working on this together. And thank you to Pastor Mike, Ray, Wayne, uh, Pastor Daniel from Herzelea and others who have joined in to help us uh, continue to preach the word and to unite the community, even while I needed to travel. So, thank you guys for your understanding there because I'm doing this for all of us. Now, listen, we've been in a series, uh, Living Wisdom. This is the wisdom of the Proverbs, and I want to take us in that same direction uh, today. So, let me start with this. Let me start with the big questions. Adam and Eve. You see, Adam and Eve were created with a purpose to rule and reign over God's creation, to take dominion over everything that he had made. Now we are also created to rule and reign with the Messiah and to govern over everything that God has made. We follow in that same pattern. If they were created for that purpose, then we have to understand that we are created also for that same purpose. Our work, our service, our leadership is worship to the Lord. We often talk about why were we created? Were we created to simply sing songs and to dance before the Lord as our act of worship? Well, we certainly were created to do that, but that's not all we were created to do. And as a matter of fact, as you know, in the Hebrew, the avodah, this means to work and to worship coming from the same word. And so being created to rule and reign with the Messiah is part of our worship to him as well. So then, we move to the big question that pretty much everybody needs to be able to answer, in a personal and in an apologetic type of way, and that is why are we here on Earth, and why do we only have a limited time on this Earth? Understanding that God gave each man once to live and once to die. Well, that's the question we want to jump into today in the study of of living wisdom: is why are we on Earth, and why do we have such a limited time here? on earth. Listen to this quote, lost time is never found again. Benjamin Franklin, uh, an inventor and a politician in United States history, he wrote that and uh, he he was saying, listen, you you only get to use it once. You only get to make one decision on this amount of time and then it's gone and you can't get it back. Another quote, time is the most valuable thing a man can spend. This was uh, quoted by uh, Theophrastus He is the leading Greek philosopher that succeeded and succeeded after Aristotle. So uh, again, coming from a a large background of wisdom and experience, putting philosophy together, he came up with the idea that time is the most valuable thing that a man can spend. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's find out and remind ourselves where time came from. And then we're going to go a little bit deeper into what God wants us to do about it and how we can be wise. Genesis chapter 1 Verse one through five. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that he had made and it was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. You see, friends, right here, we have our very first day. We have our very first day because of the light of Yeshua, not because of the celestial beings. The heavens we know of, the sun and the moon and the stars had not yet been created, at least according to these words. And so we are having our first day based on the fact that it's the light of Yeshua shining, giving us life at that point. There was evening, there was morning. So we know there was some kind of cycle or some kind of separation, and yet the celestial bodies had not been created yet. As a matter of fact, they don't even get created until creation day number four. If you're following along in your text, Genesis chapter one, let's stay there. Genesis 1:14. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. So what do we have here? So now we have the actual definition of day and night. We have signs to mark the seasons and the years. So time as we now know it has finally begun. We already had day and night. We had the first day, second day, third day under the light of Yeshua. But that's a time period where time as a creation did not exist the same way it does now. Now that we have sun and moon and we have cycles and we have day and night based on those beings, Uh, sun to give light, moon to give light. Now we finally are in the time period where we know the time, the time that we live in now. So time in and of itself is a creation, which is interesting because prior to the sun and the moon being created, it was only the light of Yeshua expressing himself on earth that there was no measurement of what we call modern time. There was day and night, but And there was was days being counted, but it didn't work the same as it does now. We have now entered into the time that we understand. So what is this? What do I want to summarize? What am I trying to teach you? That time itself is a creation of God, just like everything else he created. Nothing exists except for the fact that God himself created it. Time as you know it is a creation that God thought up, that God put into practice. Time is a gift because we only have a limited amount of time in this life. You may say, but Pastor Chad, as new covenant believers, we are looking forward to eternity when we will have all of the time that we will ever need. However, we should look at time as a creation that may not always work the same as it does now in our lives. And you say, well, what made you, makes you think about that? What leads you to that thought? Well, I just taught it to you. The first, second, and third day worked off of a different time cycle than day four and moving forward. So time worked differently in those first three days than it did day four up until now, because now we are revolving our days around the sun and the moon that has now been created, the rotation of the earth and how the solar system works. That did not work the same way in day one, two, and three, when we only had the light of Yeshua. So if time used to work differently, then it would conclude that time once again may work differently. That puts us in where we are today, the way time was created to work right now. As a matter of fact, we have some biblical texts to prove that time itself as a creation is able to be manipulated It's able to be started. It's able to be stopped. It's able to be changed. As a matter of fact, let's look at that. Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 and 13 in this story of Joshua, who is one of the the leaders of ancient Israel. And he's in a battle here. Listen to what it says. Joshua 10. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, son, stand still over Gibeon. And you, moon over the valley of Adjalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. So, what did I just teach you? That time can be manipulated because it's a creation of God. It can be started, it can be stopped, it can be changed. Some have even speculated that it is this event in Joshua chapter 10 that is actually knocked off of a perfect time cycle, the days, the months, and the years that we now experience. Have you ever wondered why no one in human history can get a cycle of time, days, weeks, and months, and years, precise How come we always have to add seconds and minutes and then we have to have extra months and extra leap years and extra days have to be added to the calendars every so often. It's because something knocked it out of its perfect rotation and it might have been this event. Some speculate it's this event in Joshua chapter 10 for which we are still trying to adjust time as we know it. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter three, let's talk about that for a minute. This is a chapter that's often well known for being about time. There's a time for everything. There's a time for this and a time for its opposite. But Ecclesiastes chapter three, I don't want to focus on that part of it being that there is a time for everything, not at this juncture, but I do want to focus on Ecclesiastes 3.11 and watch what God has put in our hearts as believers regarding time. Listen to what it says, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to the end. Let me give you our first key phrase today. God set eternity in our hearts, meaning we inherently know that this life and all of our current limitations are not all that we were meant for. You see, God had already put eternity in our hearts, And even though we live right now inside this current construct of time, we inherently know that there's something different. There's something bigger. There's something longer. There's something more eternal beyond this current time constraint. Why do we know that? Because Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has set in the human heart knowledge of eternity. And we are drawn to that. It's, it's one of the elements that helps us understand what we're being trained for. What are we moving forward to in the end? We will one day live in a place without the limitations and the pressures of time that we feel right now. And I know a lot of us are probably happy about that. We feel time pressures, time crunches. We feel all kind of stress about that. What I have to get done before a certain time, a certain date all of these these parameters and limitations and deadlines. And and it creates stress in our life. Are we making enough progress in life? Are we we doing all of the right things? Have we fulfilled God's destiny in our heart and what he's created us for? And so sometimes we can feel pressure about these things. and, And it's because we live in a limitation. But one day those limitations will be taken off of us again, like were taken off of us in the beginning. Don't forget, we live inside boundaries of a creation Called time. Let me move on to Revelation chapter 22, verse one through five, because it, it helps to fill out this understanding about how we live and how we relate with time itself. It says, Revelation 22, verse one, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit Yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will there will be no more light. You need to catch that. There will be no more light. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. You see, friends, in this moment, Revelation 22, we are returned to a different type of light and a different type of cycle. The light of Yeshua that was present at creation. That's how we started this story today. And one day we're going to return to that type of time. Constraint, that type of boundary where it's Yeshua giving the light, it's no longer the sun and the moon, so we don't work on that cycle anymore. Why am I teaching you all of this? Because time is important. It's a creation meant for something, it has a purpose, and I don't want us to miss the purpose and live life as if we are disconnected from one of the purposes that God had intended for us. Now, even though we as humans are limited to the current time constraint and its creation. Do you know God is not limited to it? He is not limited to, limited to his own creation or to his own natural law. It's something that's different for him because he is a supernatural being. He's the creator. It listens to him, not the other way around. God is not limited by time itself. Listen to this text, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God can start time. God can freeze time. God can slow it down. He can manipulate it. He can stop it when he wants to. And as a matter of fact, a day for us, because we work on this sun moon cycle, a day for us is different than for the Lord. One day for him is like a thousand for us. But what you understand is even though he's experiencing what he experiences, we're experiencing something different. One day for him is like a thousand years for us. And so that should help you understand that he does not live inside of this box that we call time. It is a creation. It is a tool. We need to know what it's for. He can also decide when something is the right time versus the wrong time. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, there are such things as the right time. There are such things as the fullness of time. And only God knows what they are because he looks at it from the outside of time, the way we know it. So what is this time? What are we talking about? What is the creation and the construct? Well, time is a creation. It is a tool, something we will give account for on how we used it, just like we will give account for all of the other tools that we were commanded to use. Our thoughts, our words, our actions. We have to give account for all of these things. And time is a tool. God gives it to us as a gift. And he says, you will be accountable for how you use this tool, just like you're accountable on how you use everything else. Ephesians 5 15, Ephesians five fifteen it says this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So right there, we're commanded to use the tool wisely and to give account for what we've done with it. And this is part of the living in wisdom series. How do we use time? as a gift and as a tool, as something that we're accountable for. You see, there is an accountability element to how we use it. Listen to this in James chapter four, verse 13. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. We'll spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen to you tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Friends, you have to hear me on this. The time that you're given is limited. It is a creation. It is a tool, but there's accountability for it. And when there are things we know that we are supposed to do with our time, that we are not doing, that is sin for us. To him that knows the good he ought to do, if he doesn't do it, it is sin. God gave us time as a gift, as a tool. If we don't use it wisely to build the kingdom, if we don't do the good we know to do, if we're not following through on what God has told us to do according to his will, having knowledge of that and then not doing it is rebellion. It is sin in our heart. And that, pertains even to the gift of time. Let me give you our second key phrase today. To use time unwisely and miss the good we ought to do, it is sin for us. The apostle Paul understood this as what we know about Paul is that he lived in a constant sense of urgency for the kingdom of God. Paul says that his conscience is clean this is toward the end of his ministry. He's been ministering for years. He's been traveling. He's been planting congregations, finding and raising up elders and pastors, evangelizing people all over the world, helping to connect through a network of relationships. He's been beaten. He's been cast out. He's been imprisoned. And toward the end of his ministry, he says, I have a clean conscience. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. You see, Paul lived with a sense of urgency because he understood the tool of time. He did not want to waste it. He wanted to give good account for it. And at the end of his life, he was able to reflect back and say, I think I did well. I used time as a gift, as a tool wisely for everyone else's sake. You see, there is an accountability for how we live our life and how we invest the time that God has given us. I wonder if we're able to say that, friends. Are we able to say the same thing that Paul said? I've asked the Lord for his will. I've asked him to guide me with the power of the Holy Spirit. I've chosen to use the gift of time wisely. I've invested the time, the limited time I have, I've invested that wisely into my marriage my family, serving others, preaching the gospel, being a good employee, really opening my heart to let others and prefer them above myself as is the second greatest commandment. Have I done that? Have I used that time wisely? Can we say what Paul was able to say? I think it's a challenge for all of us today. But let me close with a few thoughts of what we're faced with today as a challenge. There's never been a generation that has had to fight the distractions for our time and the competition for our time as much as this current generation has to fight. The fight for our time has to be intentional. I often tell you guys that no one falls into good habits. We fall into bad habits. We build good habits. It has to be intentional. It has to be the plan. And so it is with your time management, the thing you're going to give account for, You have to build in wise systems of time management. You have to review this with your spouse or your family or your pastor or your disciple. You have to make sure that there's a a wisdom to how we are investing our time because the, the world around us, the culture around us is competing for our attention like never before. There's never been a human generation that's had to fight off competition and distraction for time the way this generation has to. And I think we have to be ready for that. We have to have our armor on, especially the helmet of salvation that guards our mind and it guards our thoughts. Today we have practical areas trying to steal our time, the media consumption and the addiction that comes with it from the movies and the TVs and the series and the internet we certainly are fighting against the, the, the message of pleasure seeking and entertainment. And all of this distracts us from the real challenges that we face that we should be taking to the Lord. We don't want to feel the stress. We don't want to feel the challenge. We don't want to feel anything that's unpleasant or negative. And so we distract ourselves with media and with self-stimulating activities. It's like we don't want to feel the, the hard things that we should feel so that we can make a correction. We don't want to feel that. So we numb ourselves with this distraction. There's a great danger of letting media and social media that has clear agendas be the primary babysitters for our children. Listen, I'm a parent of four. I understand this is not a critical word. This is a word of challenge and encouragement. Don't let media And social media, be the primary babysitter for your children. We already lose our children for so many hours in the day, sending them to kindergarten or to school. Let's not lose them in the home as well when we're supposed to be the priest of the home and and lead them into righteousness. Teach them the word of God. Let's not lose that time. It's so valuable, it's so fleeting, it's but a mist. We won't have the kids for long under our leadership. There's a weakening of relationships through forsaking the in person communications and interactions. I'm going to say this as strongly as I can say it in person, connecting face to face is the highest level of communication. And it's what God intended for us. We certainly use the tools from time to time of other communications. I email all the time. I text, I voice text. You guys know that, but none of that takes the place of the value of the face to face interaction. And that's why Those of you in the house tonight, I'm so proud of you for coming. Those of you that are having to watch on a distant media, we're so glad you connected and we're so open to you continuing to connect, but connecting by media only is not the best way to do it. It's to be in the house. It's to be with people. This is God's highest and social media is helping erase from our cultural dynamic the important part about being face to face. Technology connections, and uh, all the notifications, the texts, the updates, and the feeds constantly steal and they distract us from a train of thought. According to reviews.com, or reviews.org, excuse me, let me give you a few statistics as we close. This is what humanity is feeling right now in a, in a distraction and a competition for their time in media. Listen to this. 74% of us feel uneasy leaving our phone at home. are are not feeling okay if their phone isn't with them. 71% say they check their phones within the first 10 minutes of waking up. So instead of devoting the day to the Lord in prayer, on your knees, in quiet time with your coffee or your breakfast, 71% of people grab that phone within the first 10 minutes of waking up. 53% say they've never gone longer than 24 hours without their phone or media. 47% consider themselves addicted to their devices. 35% use or look at the phone while driving. Do you understand how distracted and how addicted we have to be for us to be trying to drive? And instead of using that time wisely to focus on what we're doing, we're distracted with media on our phones. 70% check their phones within five minutes of receiving a notification Do you understand how dangerous that is to a train of thought that we as current humanity, we cannot get a full train of thought, whether it's our thought, a relationship conversation with a friend or a thought of the Holy Spirit, a discernment of spirits, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all of that's being cut out because 75, uh, 70% of us are checking our phones every five minutes for notifications. That means a train of thought, a spirit of God thought is being broken Every five minutes. And we can't just live in the moment with the Holy Spirit. 61% have texted someone who's in the same room with them. That's how far we've moved from real communication. 61% have texted someone else sitting right there in the room instead of just talking to them. 48% of people say they feel a panic if their phone or device drops below 20% of their battery. Imagine how addicted we are that we get a panic when we're losing a battery down to 20%. A couple of more. 45% say their phone is the most valuable possession they have. Something's wrong. Something's wrong when your, your little phone or your computer or your, your device, and, and certainly we need it as a tool for life. We're not downplaying that. But is it the most valuable possession you have? I think we're on a wrong track with that. 43% use or look at their phone while on a date. So that means half the people on a romantic date are looking at their phones. Husbands, when you're on a date with your wife, you do what I do. Put the phones away. I don't take phones on my dates with my wife. I want her to have my full attention. I take my children on dates one at a time and I put the phone away. I want them to have my full attention. You see, we're headed down a slippery slope and we've forgotten that time is a gift. It's a tool and that we're gonna be accountable for it. We, we've forgotten how much this generation is being distracted. It, it's competing for our time. And, and now we don't even have time to spend with people. We don't have time to spend with our spouse or our children. We don't have time devoting to the word in a family. We can't even finish a train of thought because we're so distracted and time is being stolen from us. Final stat, and then I'll summarize. On average, people check their phones 344 times per day. Can you imagine how distracted we are? How much time is being stolen and lost? I know not everything is, is bad and negative on the phone. I know there's good things out there too. But friends, we got to rein this in somehow. We got to receive the challenge. Time is a gift and we're going to be accountable for how we use it. And checking our phones 344 times a day breaks relationship. It breaks trains of thought. Not everything we're doing on our devices can be positive. And I think we have a challenge to all look at our time management and be careful there. Let me summarize. Time is a creation. It's a tool. We only have a limited amount of time, yet we are accountable for how we use our time and how we serve others with it. How do we prepare for our real life of ruling and reigning with the Messiah. Remember right now we live in a time constraint that we will not always live in. So therefore, what is the purpose of this time constraint? It is to train us to prepare for ruling and reigning with the Messiah, which is our created destiny. How are we using time? Our life is so short that it's like a mist or a vapor. It's compared as a mist and a vapor to our actual eternity that the Lord has prepared for us. We have lived And we live again one day without this time constraint. We should therefore seek the Lord for why he thought it was wise to put this time creation around us and put us inside of its limits. Why did he do it? We should ask him, what are we supposed to be learning and doing right now inside of time? This is a challenge. I know it's not easy. It's a current, it's a modern day challenge because we're facing things that no other generation has faced before in terms of competition and distraction for our time, but we will be accountable for it. Friends receive that today. Take it back to the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, we ask today that Holy spirit, you would come give us wisdom on these matters. Let the strict, the scriptures come to life for us. We pray today, Lord, that you would graciously and gently rearrange our priorities. Let us be aware of where we're being distracted where our mind and spirit is being pulled away from something right in front of us, something important, whether it's our spouse or our children, whether it's our team or our job, or it's something that you want to show us from the word or a word of wisdom and knowledge, something that the Holy Spirit is leading our thoughts and it's being broken because we're not managing our time well. We're not giving you the time you deserve. We receive today that time itself is a creation, that we've lived outside of it and we will live outside of it again. But right now, what do you want us to do with it? How can we please you like the Apostle Paul? How can we say our conscience is clear when it comes to how we've used and invested the time you gave us? God, give us wisdom today. Let us fight against the the challenges of the modern society as it pulls us away from wisdom. We pray that today in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. It's been so good to be with you guys today. Of course, I'll see you in just a few more weeks ahead. I want to bless the team and everybody who's been so helpful during this series. I miss you all. We love you as family. I can't wait to be back with you in person real soon.